0: Okay, so it's March 20th. Governor Newsom has just issued a statewide shelter-in-place protocol. We're not supposed to leave our residences. Except for the essentials. Quarantine snacks, exercise, and of course, toilet paper. Schools across the country are closed. Many are on spring break. Internet traffic is spiking. Favorite streaming services like Netflix and Hulu are glitching out. And just a few days ago, the Secretary of the Interior asked all the national parks to waive their entrance fees to make the great outdoors more accessible for people to practice social distancing. It's kind of the perfect storm. As one-by-one counties across California began shelter-in-place protocol, green spaces of all kinds around the state began seeing huge surges in visitations. Parks, beaches, wilderness areas, camping, hiking, outdoor recreation, all became spring break quarantine destinations for those hoping to hunker down away from others in the great safe outdoors. But how safe are outdoor spaces when they're packed with more people than even the busiest of holiday weekends? I'm a regular hiker and cyclist myself. Here in Santa Cruz, I frequent Henry Cowell Redwood State Park. And as things were ramping up around the state, I noticed more and more cars in the parking lot of my favorite trailhead, which got me thinking about other parks and green spaces. I'm not going to lie. When the shelter-in-place protocol started spreading as rampantly as the virus, one of my first thoughts was, get out, go far away from other people. But then the panic-buying phenomenon hit the stores, and it dawned on me that remote areas would be even harder pressed for resources than cities. I kept fighting the almost instinctive urge to get away from the city, then I saw some posts on social media about Bishop. We're stuck inside, but spring is happening outside. I'm Stacey, you're listening to Sheltered Spring. Bishop, California is a small town in the eastern Sierra Nevada. It's right on the 395, nestled somewhere between Inyo National Forest and Death Valley National Park. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from popular destinations like Mono Lake, Mammoth Lakes, and Yosemite National Park. Oh, and when I say small, I mean less than 4,000 residents small. But that only accounts for the regular full-time residents. If you're part of the climbing scene, like so many Santa Cruzers are, then you know that Bishop is a very well-known and sought-out climbing destination. Throughout any given year, thousands of people flock to the town for weekend trips and holiday vacations spent outdoors, mostly climbing. And it's not uncommon for climbing enthusiasts to live there part-time, whether that means camping or living out of a van. I tried getting in contact with a friend of a friend who had been living out of her van in Bishop for several months when Governor Newsom mandated statewide sheltering in place. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to do an interview, but I was able to look over her social media posts from the start of the pandemic. She had posted pictures of empty grocery store shelves, and not just the toilet paper and first aid aisles like we're used to. I mean, sparsely stocked shelves throughout the one grocery store in town. She talked about tourists coming into Bishop in droves to get away from big cities, mostly the Bay Area and LA. Her pictures of empty grocery store shelves showed the impact of extra people on one small town's small pool of resources. Other locals shared pictures with news media depicting lines of hundreds of vehicles parked near popular climbing spots. The images are striking. What's more is imagining all of those people, potential vectors of the virus, all recreating in the same green spaces, hand after hand touching faces, then climbing holes, breath after breath getting trapped in a canyon with hundreds of people, likely not wearing face masks at that point. That's a lot of potential contact. Curiosity led me to search for similar scenarios playing out in other places. Here are just a few news headlines. Crowds packed California beaches despite shelter-in-place order. Spring breakers in Miami say coronavirus won't stop them from partying. Thousands are crowding into free national parks. There are hundreds of more headlines like these. With popular green space destinations being overrun across the U.S., it kind of begs the question, what's been happening here in Santa Cruz? How are we as a community looking out for each other and taking care of our own green spaces?
1: Yeah, sounds good. I'll I'll do my best. Uh, I actually haven't been out in the parks a whole bunch. uh, I mean, I could talk about it in our interview.
0: This is Drew Perkins, the Trails Program Director for Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz, an awesome organization that works to make trails and mountain biking accessible to the public. I'll let him further explain what the organization does and why they're awesome.
1: Okay, so Mountain Bikers of Santa Cruz is a trail-based stewardship organization. Um, We advocate for mountain bike access, but we don't just work on mountain bike trails, is the best way to put it.
0: Our producer, Alex, got me in touch with Drew, hoping that he would be able to give me insight on trail use in the area in light of the shelter-in-place mandate.
1: Um, we do a lot of educational activities. We put on events. Um, so, like, a wide, wide variety of things, but all really focused on improving uh, less than the quality of trails in Santa Cruz.
0: So, like I said, pretty awesome. One of the reasons Alex had me contact Drew was because Drew had put up motion-detecting counters on some of the trails that MBOSC works on.
1: Yeah, so we we have a trail counter at the Glenwood Preserve in Scotts Valley.
0: A small trail system, close to Scotts Valley High School. Drew says that MBOSC installed a bike counter around the beginning of March, just before the statewide shelter in place.
1: Um, and it's just, it's pretty simple, it's just like a motion detector and it counts how many detections there are every hour so.
0: Drew says the motion sensors give a pretty general idea of trail use because they can't tell the difference between cyclists, hikers, and cute deer.
1: So it was averaging around 100 detections during the week and maybe 180 on weekends for the first two weeks we had it out there and then as soon as shelter in place started there we were getting 200 plus 250 during the week and up to even more on the weekends up to 350 detections so uh really like almost a doubling in the usage at that spot when the shelter in place started
0: yeah wow
1: (laughs) you know i think that's it's probably not a spot a lot of people are you know it's a pretty small trail system it's probably not a destination but it's you know really accessible to a lot of neighborhoods and um You know, people who, you know, I guess used to be at work during the day, then they had opportunities to go for a walk at lunch or take the dog out or who knows. But yeah, the use definitely increased there.
0: To clarify, these counts are per day. And even though 350 counts might not seem like much, it's important to remember that the trail system at Glenwood Preserve is rather small. And not to put down Glenwood, but like Drew mentioned, it's not as well known or popular as other green spaces in the Santa Cruz area one can only speculate how many visitors other green spaces have received in recent weeks. So I checked out trail counter data from UCSC's Upper Campus Pipe Dream Trail. The overall trend seemed to be a slight increase in trail use since the beginning of the year, which I think could be expected, even without the virus. I mean, this time of year, the weather is only getting nicer. But... Then I separated the data, by weekdays and weekends, and the story changes a little. Weekends show a slightly decreasing trend in trail use, while weekdays show an increase, especially throughout March and April. Now, this is just me, but if I wanted to go out for a hike or a bike ride and not run into other people, I'd probably go during the week, when lots of people are usually at work. But with the coronavirus upending everyone's day-to-day schedules, like Drew mentioned, there are probably more opportunities for some people to go and get out during the week
1: now. Um, And then when the parks were closed, the traffic also went way down. Just a couple of detections a day, and that could even be animals or who knows. Um, Yeah,
0: I wanted to ask you about that, about whether or not you had data for the, the week when all parks were supposed to be closed. Here, we're referring to the week from Thursday, April 9th through Thursday, April 16th, when Santa Cruz County closed all public parks and green spaces. When I checked out the data from Upper Campus, there was definitely a drop in trail use. But every day during that week showed at least 40 counts. 40! The data Drew showed me from the Glenwood Preserve counter shared a similar story.
1: Yeah, you know, the first day it was a little higher, and then the next couple days really low, like less than 10, 20 detections. And then it started going up a little bit more, uh, but the, the next day the parks were officially open, is back up to 100, 180.
0: Oh, interesting, so, right away. Yeah. So. I don't know if you caught that or not, but even during the week of the park closures, the motion sensors still detected at least a few counts every day. Now, those could have been the cute deer I mentioned earlier, but probably not. Drew did tell me, though, that at Glenwood Preserve, the trails have all been made into one-directional loops to minimize contact between trail users, not unlike a lot of grocery stores these days. With the bike counter data in mind, I asked Drew about trail erosion and whether or not he felt that large increases of trail traffic could have a significant effect on the integrity of our trails. He said that water, not people, tends to be the biggest challenge when it comes to erosion. Although he brought up a good point about how it is possible that vegetation along the sides of trails may get trampled down as people move aside to maintain their six-foot bubbles while passing someone on the trail. I told him about my personal paranoia while riding my bike. Maybe it's just me, but when I'm out, when I pass somebody, whether it's someone who is walking or running or also another cyclist, I'm thinking about how much that person has breathed and like how long those like moisture particles are staying in the air or, you know, whether or not me passing swirls the wind around and like, you yeah. know, is it hitting me? Is it residual? How long does it stay?
1: It's uh yeah, it's, it's something that I, you know, wasn't expecting to have to worry about too much out on the trails, but um it's important to get outdoors, but also I think you know just it's important to understand that you are creating more opportunities for person-to-person interactions, and and be really conscious about how you're how you're using the outdoors, and uh, being conscious of all other people out there and how your behavior might in- impact them. Um, our marketing team has done a really great job of sharing communication about using parks safely, and um, it's been a really Important conduit for I think getting the word out to trail users from land managers about best practices for using parks and status of park closures.
0: It's pretty cool that the organization has been able to find ways to stay active in local green spaces, even if that just means updating the community on trail and park closures. Information which I personally have found to be muddy and confusing as of late. I asked Drew what advice he might have for people out there who don't really have access to safe outdoor spaces. And here's what he had to say.
1: There's a lot of cool stuff happening on the internet. Uh, You can learn a whole lot more about what's going on in in the natural environments uh, that you recreate in. And uh, once you get back outside, you'll have a greater appreciation. So um, those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head.
0: At the time of my interview with Drew... MBOSC's trail crew members were all at home temporarily, so Drew and I talked about the challenges of not being able to get together in person right now. MBOSC has volunteers and trail crew members who would normally get together to work on projects, and Drew talked about how he was really missing those interactions. Something that I think really points to how important green space is to community and our lives as social beings. And it's not just that green spaces are important for gathering. The fact that even when the county asked people to stay home, MBOSC's bike counters were still picking up data, means that something else is going on here too. Sure, like I said, it could have been cute deer, it could have also been a few rebellious folks who won't let viruses or the government dictate how they live their lives, but I like to think that it's because humans crave that connection to nature and outdoor spaces. We need green space. Maybe the draw we have to green space is inherent to our nature and present in every human community. But the same doesn't go for access. We can't talk about green space without talking about environmental injustice, especially in the time of COVID-19. When I had asked Drew about his advice to people who might not have access to safe outdoor spaces, he also mentioned his grandmother, who stays in an assisted living facility. He wanted to remind anyone listening to this that there are lots of people out there right now who have fewer opportunities than you or I might have to get outdoors safely. and. I want to add that there are many more people who never have those opportunities. In the time of this coronavirus pandemic, differences in access to green space are stark. Those of us in areas like Santa Cruz are ridiculously fortunate. I have a friend living in New York City whose outdoor space for the last couple of months has been his apartment's fire escape. When you have housing with access to a yard, it's Easy to forget that that's not everyone's experience. A few years ago, I was living in a studio apartment on a hill in Seattle, between some housing projects and a bunch of major hospitals, a neighborhood aptly named Pill Hill. There weren't any parks nearby. Behind the building was a fence about ten feet from the door that ran the length of the back of the building. It was where the building dumpsters were kept and where tenants let their dogs poop. It was all concrete back there, except for a plot about 20 feet long and maybe seven feet wide, with some patchy grass and a decrepit raised bed with a sad-looking pine tree growing in it. That was the building's green space, a seven-by-twenty-foot plot. But I still had access to safe outdoor space. I could go to parks in other neighborhoods, take walks, bike rides in the city. I didn't leave my apartment worrying about toxic pollutants impacting my health. I still had safe opportunities to be outside. Not everyone has that. I think that awareness of the disparities in opportunity and access might actually have the power to bring about positive change in the context of COVID-19. Historical structural inequalities of our society have resulted in environmental justice issues like lack of access to safe unpolluted green space, issues that disproportionately affect our low-income communities, communities of color, immigrant communities, incarcerated peoples, and Native American communities. Not so positive, but what is potentially positive is that the global pandemic is putting a spotlight on the inequities that these communities face, making environmental justice more pressing and seen than ever. It's allowing environmental justice issues to demand attention on the national stage as millions of people unable to look at sports stats updates have been closely watching COVID-19 stats and seeing the disproportionate mortality rates in people of color, people who live in proximity to industrial activity and major transportation hubs, native peoples neglected by the federal government, people lacking access to basic necessities like water, people for whom the shelter-in-place orders means sheltering near air pollutants and environmental toxins, toxins that have been proven to impair health and that are directly linked to an increase in the severity of coronavirus symptoms. While many of us begrudgingly wash our hands and throw on our masks, millions of others who already lacked those basic essentials of water and clean air, who are already vulnerable and often without access to healthcare services, are left exposed in the midst of this pandemic. While many of us going crazy in our places of residence can seek escape in green spaces, in parks, or yards, or on walks, or bike rides? Others cannot. Where is their escape? Where is their safety? Where is their green space? I started out this episode by bringing you back to March 20th, when the statewide shelter-in-place orders were first presented to us. I want to bring this episode to a close by talking about where we're at now. Easing of shelter-in-place orders across the nation, Memorial Day weekend passing, a weekend that is normally full of get-togethers, barbecues, and beach gatherings. Despite warnings from local and state officials, green spaces across the country experienced alarmingly high traffic. Several news outlets reported stories of crowds packed so tightly on beaches that physical distancing would have been impossible, even if people were trying to maintain it. And let's be real, most were not. People showed up by the hundreds, if not thousands, for weekend festivities, without face masks. Sound familiar? Maybe a little bit like Bishop, California back in March? Meanwhile, Santa Cruz maintained its strict beach closures from 11 to 5. And according to the Santa Cruz Good Times, sheriff's deputies patrolled the coast, issuing citations and asking just over 2,000 individuals or groups to head back home. A decent number of people, but nowhere near the number of people reported on beaches in places like Florida, Alabama, Maryland, or Southern California. Though the data only runs to April 30th, The Washington Post reported on anonymous cell phone data, showing the percentage of people staying home during the pandemic. Santa Cruz County registered an impressive 92%. Not bad, Santa Cruz. I know we all need to get out, and we're all tired of being stuck inside because it's springtime outside, and it is so, so beautiful. So please, when you inevitably go out to a shared green space check for closures, and be safe. Wear a mask. It's just like wearing a helmet while riding a bike. It's annoying. Nobody wants to. It looks funny, but it's cheap insurance that just might save lives. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Sheltered Spring. Again, I'm Stacy. Thank you for listening. Be safe out there.